Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Philippians 2, I'm going to read just a couple verses in the Passion Translation. And it says, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So So I'm asking you, my friends, that you would be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with, har- with one harmonious purpose, and you'll fill my heart with unbounded joy. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? Can we pray? Father, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you that as we share hearts this morning and as a community, as we open our heart to receive Max and Tiffany into into our heart, into what you're doing in our community, I pray that we would experience the manifest presence because in unity you are revealing and in love you are manifested. And so we just thank you for that this morning. Amen? So um, we're just going to ask them a couple questions and dialogue with them so that you can get to know them. Um, And because this is the 9 a.m., we're going to be a little bit tighter, but we'll have a little bit more time second service. So if you're here and you wanted to watch a little bit more of the questions, you can go online um, at that service. So what is a generation's pastor and why is it important? Go ahead, Max. All right. Uh, I should answer this since I'm the generation's pastor. Um, (laughs) I think a generation's pastor is a lot of things, um, but importantly, it's to uh, create a culture where we can see our students from the time they're in nursery all the way till they're past 18 in college, truly encountering Jesus and um, having someone in the middle to do that that can be with them, that can hear them, that can be in their corner, even when things are going tough or things may be going bad. They can have someone and have a true community that they can rely on that's more than just their parents or more than just their, you know, their, their core uh, group. They can have someone that is spiritual, but that also is going to be practical, and your boy is kind of crazy, so um, it'd be very practical. And um, letting you know that even if you're wrong, uh, my heart is still going to be open uh, for all the students, all the kids, all the young adults. So um, it's a lot, but I think that's kind of the true aspect of what it is um, important to have a generation's pastor in church. Awesome. Um, we, we love Max's heart for young people. And so what we see is just somebody that's really going to help bridge the gap um, so that I think sometimes, especially even um, even logistically in the natural, our kids are downstairs. And so it's almost like the kids are down there, we're up here, and so there's like this natural separation and so what happens is we sometimes we forget we have all these awesome kids downstairs. And so part of that's bringing them once a month up here for worship and, um, and really integrating. Did I say that word right? Integrating um, all of the generations together. How many know that generational alignment is 
awesome and necessary. You know, in the even in Malachi, it talked about what revival looks like is when the hearts of the fathers turn towards the children and the children's hearts to their fathers. And so we, um, because of Max and Tiffany's history in um, on staff at churches, just being able to pour into kids and leaders. And so we have awesome leaders. We have Alex, who leads all of our children's ministry, Tyson and Josh um, Hinman and his wife that are helping with our youth ministry. And so... Um, they're just doing an incredible job. And then Sarah and Christian and Alex again that are leading our young adult ministry. And so we've got these awesome leaders. And so Max is really just going to help us um, raise them up, pastor them well, help with some administrative things so that the, the gap, there is no gaps in our generation. And as, as the, the Sunday morning service people, we know what's happening with our kids. So um, we're really excited about that. Yeah. You want to ask? Sure. All right, we'll move on. I, I would like to hear your answer, but for the sake of time, yeah, this is for you. This one's for you. For the sake of time, we're going to move on to the next. This is directed to Max. First of all, I want to say what a beautiful time of worship. Come on. So good. It's amazing how the Lord marks with his presence. And this is like the day that we're talking about you know, your, your place of serving. Now I want to talk, um, and, and our prayer is, is that not only does this, like, we're not just doing this as informative, we're praying that it ministers to you as you hear the hearts uh, of Max and Tiffany. So Max, this is for you. Um, has your history helped you see the need to heal the father wound? Uh, and do you feel called to do this? Yes. I'm going to try to do this without crying. Um, <clears throat> so that question, uh, gets brought up a lot when it comes to generations pastors, just pastors in general. And for me, um, I didn't grow up with my biological father, my mother and biological father split when I was around three years old. And then my mom remarried who I consider my father. Uh, he's my stepdad, but he raised me from around six all the way to about 17 when him and my mom got a divorce. So, um, there's been two uh, men in my life, important men in my life, that uh, should have done certain things that only fathers can do in a household and only fathers can do to a, for a son. Mm -hmm. And uh, I lost both of those uh, before 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So understanding that this walk that I have with Jesus is way more than just a Sunday morning, um, is way more than just going to a, a youth group night, is truly understanding that whatever he has for me, it is for me, and he wants me to have it as long as I truly seek him um, because he is the true father. And for someone that was fatherless for a while, um, that void could only be filled by him. Um, not drugs, not pornography, not alcohol, not, not, not women. Um, it was truly filled and only filled by him. Um, so, yes, I love this question, and I didn't cry. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I did it. So good. I just want to say, man, I am so proud of you, and I just see the anointing on your life. When I first met you, you reminded me of two of my spiritual sons, Laris and Luis, in one human being. Um, and I just, I, I just sense this. This is part of your destiny because of what God, your encounter with his love, and it's just like it just flows through you. And I just see you breaking 
chains and, and releasing people from heavy burdens of father wounds. And it's probably one of the number one problems we have in the world abroad. Um, so it's beautiful, man. And I'm so excited just to see that coming to fruition. Okay, now this is for Tiffany. We want to hear from you. I want you to ask this, and maybe you can uh, tell us a little something about your first encounter with Tiffany. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I will say also uh, what something I love about Max is we share that history together. Like we're both, our birth fathers are Hispanic and our stepfathers are black. So we have like the same upbringing. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, kind of gangster. I mean, it just it just makes sense. So the first time I met Tiffany, I I didn't know exactly who sh she was. I mean, I thought maybe she was Max's wife or whatever, but I just felt this strong, strong, strong word about ministry on her life and specifically teaching and preaching. And so I just, I was like, I don't know if I've ever felt that strong for an individual that I had never met before. And then I, I so I, I prophesied that over her. And then I told her, I said, I don't know what this looks like. And I have zero expectation. But if you want to be mentored in preaching and teaching, like I'm here for you. And now, <laughs> here we are just a couple months later. And um, she's here on staff with us. So, um, it, it is not always easy being a woman who feels called to ministry. And I, when I say called to ministry, it's not just like, hey, I'm going to teach the kids or sing on a choir or, you know, like there's generations of we're breaking down some stereotypical things. Like when you feel called to preach and teach and minister to like a group like this where it's like all ages, all sexes, um, um, both sexes, anyways. Um, so being a minute woman in ministry who feels called to ministry, how does your history inspire you, and how are you saying yes to that call? Um, so I actually come from a family of pastors. My grandfather was a pastor and a missionary. My grandmother was a pastor and a missionary with him. Um, but honestly, the, the woman in this, uh, in my history that has inspired me the most is actually my aunt because um, she took over one of my grandfather's churches and uh, she was married, but she was the lead pastor. Uh, and so that right off the bat was pretty controversial, um, especially in Colombia. My family on my mom's side is from Colombia, South America. Um, and she led so well alongside her husband. Um, and then when I was a teenager, her husband, my uncle, passed away tragically from cancer. So then she had to lead this church by herself. And that uh, is a pain. So going through a pain of losing your spouse and then having to still show up and be in ministry, that is the like one of the most resilient things I've ever seen done. And it took years for her to see um, the other side of that season. Now she's happily married again, and her church is still thriving. All that persistence um, really helped lead, it to, lead her church to where it is right now. Um, so I'm very inspired by her, and I'm so glad to have someone as strong as her in my family to look up to um, in order to help me say yes to the call to ministry because 
Um, there's been a lot of times where I'm like, this is so hard. This, I did not want this calling, and because of who I'm married to, it like forced me into it more. Um, but to see her and how she's done it so well, and even through the hardest times, has been able to help me understand that this yes is important, and this yes is part of my lineage. Um, and I if I wasn't stepping into it, I wouldn't see the glory of God that I've been seeing in our lives. Um, so it's a very important yes. <laughs> so, good. so good. So beautiful. Awesome. So good. I just want to say boldly, we believe in women in ministry and releasing them. Do you know that there are over 25 apostles named in the New Testament? One of them is a woman. Do you know the woman at the well was known as an apostle of apostles. Her name is Saint Fotini. Uh, Mary Magdalene was known as an apostle in the early church. Like we, we need to just break the limits off. And I just break any limitation you've ever felt. I feel like there is a fire, a fuego, a fire of the Holy Spirit that is going to burst forth with, through your words. Lord, thank you for women in ministry. Listen, there's some ladies in here. You, maybe you've felt the limitation, the religious traditional limitation. It's just broken off right now. Like there are women preachers and teachers in here. And we believe. We're so thankful for that. My wife and, and my daughter last week, Bonnie. Like there are women preachers and teachers in this place. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So we just release you in your call and destiny. Say yes to the call. Amen. There's times my wife will preach, and she's like, I saw someone walk out when I was preaching. They probably don't believe in women in ministry. And I'm like, who cares? Don't feel intimidated. Preach the word of the Lord. Amen. So good. Um, Okay, next. This is for both of you. Let's start with Tiffany, since you didn't get to answer the first question. All right. Uh, What does it mean for a church to reach their city? We've talked a little bit about this uh, when we did the meet and greet. Um, for those of you that came to that, it was a beautiful time. Um, but your heart for the city, I, I love it because as we grow, we move into the new building, I really see us launching a campus in the city. Um, I want my heart, I want to be there. I want to, and I would love to have it to where, you know, we have people that we can release to preach and it's not just like a satellite thing where somebody pops on a screen. Like I want some real life human leaders teaching there. I'm not against that per se, but let's just talk about this for a minute. What does it mean? We'll start with you. What does it mean for a church to reach their city? Yeah, this is uh, one of the questions that like stood out to me the most um, because I believe that in order to reach our city, we have to be practical about it. Um, We're very big on being practical. And to reach the city, wherever city you are, um, you have to know the history and what the need is, right? Um, And here in Rochester, um, in other cities that are the same size, we rank in the top three for childhood poverty, right? So um, that's a need here. That is a very deep need, and it's a statistic that gets thrown out a lot over this city. And um, we have to, as a church, break down that um, negative word over our city and reach them practically by helping fulfill that need, but also spiritually and breaking down those generational curses that have been over this city. We have to um, not only just be there for them practically, but be there for them spiritually as well. And that's how we're going to reach them. Um, So no matter what city you're in, you just have to know what 
is it that my city needs and how can I help fulfill that need um, both practically and spiritually? Come on. She answered it so good. Um, I think going off Tiffany's point is um, truly attacking what the need is and offering a service. Uh, prayer is amazing. Uh, money is even more better. Uh, and I know I said more better. Um, but being there for, for a young man that grew up in the hood pretty much his whole life until like the last, like I would say 10 years, 10, 11 years when I lived in the suburbs. But growing up in the hood with, a, you know, with just a single mom, um, I remember those times very vividly when uh, someone from the church came over and blessed us with like a basket or uh, took us Christmas shopping. Um, but truly being a part of the city and uh, partnering with people that may know what that's like. I'm not saying, you know, just tomorrow morning go up on Conkey Avenue and be like, yo, Jesus loves you because people are going to be like, eh. But um, just understanding what the needs are, understanding that there's so many women that are raising men and, 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 and young girls uh, without a husband. Um, so being able to go there, see their needs, being able to attack those needs with a loving and open heart and create relationships, then Jesus will come create relationships with these people once they trust you I worked at, at, you know as an officer at a hospital for about five years and then I worked at an inner city high school as an officer uh, uh, for four years and the number one thing that I would tell my staff when I got into management positions was forget everything they taught you forget for, forget using these or, or these but it's this once people trust you once you get people to trust and love you, the rest is easy. Uh, then the invitement to the church, the, the, the seats being filled, that's the easy part. But going into these places and just loving on these people and getting them to love you and trust you, God will just completely use that and just use that for his good. And whatever the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for his good. So, yeah, I'm excited. Beautiful. Good. So um, I, I love you guys just talking about, like, being real and honest and living from your heart. I mean, I think that's the answer, right? Is just living from your heart. Don't go and do an outreach. Be an outreach. Be who God has created. Release the kingdom of God everywhere you go. It's, um, I remember we were a part of um, a ministry. They were like um, mentoring us, um, a, per, a large prophetic ch uh, church in the Las Vegas area. And I remember the pastor's wife powerful prophetic voice and she went and spent three weeks with Heidi Baker in Mozambique and the first thing Heidi Baker said is do not do not serve the people like this she said you serve the people like this and it changes the posture of your heart because when you serve people you serve them you come under and you love and so much of our ministry especially inner city, any inner city ministry has been, let me throw things at you and get you to come to church or pray a prayer instead of how do I love you and build relationship. So I just want to say something real quick. I, I love the answers and I, I was looking for a definition of the kingdom of God that, um, that we wrote a long time ago, many years ago. And I believe that as believers, we have to realize we literally release the kingdom everywhere we go. And that's our job. How many know we have the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Uh, we are the church, the people of God, but we advance the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the reign of his love that brings his healing, abounding, uh, thriving, 
creative, innovative love and peace to a world of disorder and chaos and brokenness. That's the kingdom of God. And it's not a handout. It's a hand up. It's literally bringing people. Uh, it's the ministry of reconciliation. Um, but that's, that's what we're created to do. And w- we can't just conform to some, you know, political ideology and think that that's how we read. It's just, it's not just social justice. Social justice is not the gospel. Um, the gospel, it's a fruit of the gospel, but the gospel is about Jesus being Lord. It's kingdom over everything. See, a lot of time the church will just adopt some political ideology, whether left, right, or anywhere in between, when we're supposed to be a, a part of a higher law of love that brings the kingdom reign in the earth. So the church should have the answers to the problems in our city. And we actually, we do. There's a wisdom. We have the mind of Christ. And to see a unified church, um, you, you know, advancing the kingdom, that's our prayer. But I just wanted to, like, I believe that's your hearts, and that's what you answered. So another question here. Um, this is good. I love this question. I don't know who came up with these questions. They're really good. <laughs> Rochelle, you did a good job. Um, this is good. In church culture, I wanted to hear your hearts on this. Um, I was thinking about surprising some of the questions and not giving them to you before. We just see what happens. In church culture, what's the difference between loving a platform and loving people. Come on, somebody. All right. So uh, about 12 years ago now, I uh, joined Bethel Christian Fellowship. That's a church that Tiff and I came from. Uh, she grew up there her whole life. Uh, I've been going there since like 2011, 2012. Um, if that math is right, I don't know. But um, I walked in and big church, big stage. I've always loved music. Uh, I just started playing drums about like eight years ago. Um, I, I played percussion just, you know, uh, with my background being Hispanic, you always play something, you know, <laughs> at a quinceanera or, you know, just when abuela or abuelo comes over, you grab something, spoons, forks, tambales, something. <laughs> There's always a party. Um, it's like Grandma's Tuesday, but it's fine. Um, so um, looking at a platform at a young age when I was 17, 18, I was like, man, I want that, man, I want that, man, I want that. And I kept striving for the want of the platform. And then as uh, I got to the platform, and I'm not saying that, that, that God gave me that, that, that spotlight, but when I got on the platform, I realized that I wasn't ready for it. And a lot of the time, that's very hard to look in the mirror and be like, I made it, but I'm not ready for it. Um, so being able to recognize that, get with a mentor, get with my pastors and say, hey, I truly want this. I love this, but make me love it the way that God loves it and not Amen. for me to just get gratification from being on a stage and, and being praised for, uh, for Max doing something, but letting God use Max for his people to be saved and for his people to be loved um, so that was the change for me because in the, in the early times of my walk, like I said, I just loved the platform. Um, but with mentorship and with just prayer and just truly creating a relationship with Jesus, um, I found that the platform, why I loved it so much was because I was able to be used by God and not Max just go up there and just do his thing because, yeah, it wouldn't work if it was just me. So, yeah. Yeah, I see this question, and I, it's just pride, right? That's the difference between loving a platform and loving people, pride. Yep. That's it. Um, and I, but 
I'm grateful that we were able to like deal with that at a young age because then we get out of our system, you know. But I mean, <laughs> it's pride is something you always still struggle with. Um, but learning that from a young age is definitely super helpful to make sure that our hearts are in the right place um, going forward. And um, yeah. We have one more question. I will say on that last one, one of the things that I feel like is happening in the body of Christ is that we're learning that every part of the body is significant apart from a gift, a title, or a platform. And when we love that way, we not only do we not get high in our own fumes and love the spotlight, but we actually want to build people up. Because that's the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes I think the gifts of the Spirit, I know in my life I've been through a journey, and I still have to guard my heart. We all have to guard our hearts from this. It's the lie of insignificance um, apart from a gift. And I remember when I first started walking in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, after a while, the gifts, it was like I wanted to prophesy because I felt better about myself. But how many of you know that's not the purpose of the gift? The, the purpose of the gift is to build up the body of Christ. And so there's a culture shift. And I believe the, the culture, even before we came, the ch culture in this community is healthy in that regard. But it's something that God's doing in the larger body of Christ. And I, for years and years, the Lord would remind me, love the people, don't love the platform. Love the people, build them up, feed them, and lead them. Uh, and so I believe that's a healthy church culture. Okay, last question. Is this the last question? It is. Okay. Um, Let's go for it. Are you guys enjoying this? Yeah. Amen. All right. I thank you for the three golf claps. And that was from my nephew and my son. Let's try that again. Are you all enjoying this? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Woo. All right. Just in your own words. And then, honey, I would love for you to, to talk about this, too. What does a healthy and fruitful church community look like to you? And then, or you can start. Whatever you, you want to do. You can start. You can start. I've been talking a lot. You can start. Okay, it's fine. It's green. Okay. I'll hold on to it. Okay. Oh, okay, here we go. Anyways, um, so <laughs> I think that um, basically what a healthy and fruitful church community looks like is uh, a church that's filled with people that might not have the same opinions or ideas on every single thing, but that they still are unified and understand that the ultimate highest thing that we need to be worried about is the kingdom of God and Jesus. And it doesn't matter if like you live a different lifestyle than me and whatever, as long as we're both still chasing the call of um, getting people to the, a relationship with Jesus, then that is really all that matters. Um, and I would say that it's also um, a church that allows its members to um, lead and trust its members and has equipped them and has allowed them to bring others in and usher others into the church. Um, and it, yeah, I just feel like as long as there's a trust and a unity there, then the rest follows. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
a healthy and fruitful church community, what it looks like, it looks like this. Um, Encounter has it. Um, and uh, I love basketball, so with March Madness being around, whoop, whoop, all my brackets have completely gotten shot, um, but it's... it's, it's, it's Hello. Hey, I like this mic better. I sound like a pastor. Okay, but with <laughs> with um, with basketball, watching basketball, there's players and there's coaches. Uh, when a team wins, that guy's being interviewed, and the interviewers, man, great game. Uh, like, what were some of the things that that allowed you to do this? And they, you know, they thank God, they thank their mom, and like, man, my coach. Uh, the practices were tough, and the coach has been with me, and we, we've had our differences, but they've always been able to just see me through. And now we've won. You have an amazing set of coaches here that want to see a winning team, and who doesn't want to be on a winning team? I always want to be on a winning team. And the true winning team is serving for Jesus and serving under people that want to see a winning team in their community. And you have leaders that are doing that. So it's only natural that the anointing uh, just draws you into into that. And um, yes, there might be stumbles. Yes, there might be things that come our way. But knowing on the other side that we're always going to win because God never loses. Um, God will never lose. And if you feel like you're in a losing situation, just know that the outcome is going to be a winning one. And you can go back and be like, yeah, it was tough, but it was some adversity. But my coaches, Jesus, my pastors, my community, uh, the, the, the elders, the youth pastor, the young adult pastor, the worship, there's so many amazing things that can be happening at a church that this church already has. And we are just coming in here just to align with what God has and just to bring it to another level, uh, kind of like LeBron James, you know, because he's a goat. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I love it. Um, for me, a healthy and fruitful church community looks like a community that is centered on the presence of the Lord. Come on. Um, because when his presence is priority, everything else flows out of that. Now, I have... Um, you guys probably, most of you know me pretty well. I have a very uh, specific personality. I, I, I really judge things, and I try not to be critical. And I'm, I'm very specific how I want something done um, and how I want things to look. Um, but what the Lord has been really specifically dealing with me probably since, I would say, like last August, like in a very specific way, more than ever in my life is just allowing my heart to say it's his presence above everything and as his presence priority out of that comes healthiness it comes fruitfulness it comes the manifest presence of god that brings transformation like i cannot transform somebody's life i cannot transform somebody's I cannot make your marriage work I cannot make your parenthood work I cannot make you a more successful entrepreneur I cannot do it but what I can do is help you into an encounter with the living God and he can do all of those things for you and so with his presence as priority he sets the stage for this is the this is the pinnacle all things flow out of that so so good, so good. Uh, we're going to close, and I want to read a couple verses 
But I just sense something in my heart as we're talking about this last question. Um, I want, let's just read these verses here. So this is the, the last few verses of Philippians 2 in the Passion Translation. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in my heart. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. So good. There's just so much wind on that. I, I have this sense that, you know, sometimes, like, you guys are now part of our pastoral staff, and sometimes um, in the hearts of people, some people, they celebrate it, they turn their hearts, they're like, oh, I want to get to know them, this is wonderful. Some people shrink back, though, because they feel like, oh, well, they're, they're, they're taking on a role, and maybe this church doesn't need me or whatever, but I feel like it's, it's literally the opposite of that. I feel like, no, this is where the people of God rise up. And you mentioned the presence of the Lord being the priority. And I immediately thought of Ezekiel 37, where the Lord says, can these bones live? And the wind blowing on the valley of dry bones becoming an army. And I feel like the, the wind of heaven is blowing on this army. And here's what I want to say. People are rising up. What, why are they here? Well, how come somebody from internally didn't, didn't take this? Well, because the Lord called you here. It's that simple. The Lord called them here. And there's a, a unique and powerful grace on your lives. And honestly, you guys are treasures. We are so honored that you're part of our team. But you had mentioned the coach and the team thing. And I just want to say this. A lot of times we think of the team as just the pastors and leaders. No, no, no. Every person in this room is a part of this team. The encounter community to reach our city is just one part of the larger body of Christ of this region but a beautiful part, individual members, the unity and diversity, every diverse gift. But I just want to say to you, I, I feel like reading this last couple of verses, like there's, a, there's an admonishment, even in my own hearts, like sometimes we, in my own heart, but in our hearts together, may we hear what Paul's writing to the church, that we would posture ourselves in a place where we'd say, I'm not going to feel like I need to shrink back, but that I can rise up it's almost like an advancing of an army. I see like this picture prophetically of we're, we're moving forward. And when the leaders are moving forward, we got we to gotta catch up, right? So don't shrink back. So the, the enemy always does this. Like there's this thing in us. It's like, well, maybe I'm just, well, maybe I'm not called. No, you are. This, this is it. This is what we've been praying for. Come on. This is what we've been waiting for. The wind is blowing. Army of God, rise up. And I say to the people of God in this house, and, and what, the beginning of this year, we declared it's a new day. And I remember we, I, I got to participate in pre-service prayer every Sunday morning, by the way, 8 a.m. It goes on back here. And I was back there just joining my heart to the leadership and John and the people who lead that moment. And, and then we came in here and worshiped and the spirit of God just was so present and it was just so marked with his presence. There was a shift in the atmosphere. And my wife looked over and saw 
the saints that have been a part of this church for years and years and years. And she said, look at all those neglected rivers. And I just say to you, whether you've been here for decades or for months, you are significant part of this body. You are part of this army that is advancing in this region. We have a purpose and a destiny together. Don't shrink back. Rise up. And I say it to my son, David. I say it to every leader in this room. And there's so many people. Some of you think like, well, I, I'm just, no, I'm not anointed for that. No, listen, you have an anointing on your life. It's time to rise up and step into it. And that's where discipleship, where you can pour into other people and reproduce yourself. Come on. This is what we're created for, church. So can we just close in prayer right now? And let's lift our hands and let's just say yes to the call. Or we just say yes. And we don't say yes with all these conditions. We sign the bottom of a blank page, Lord. We say yes to whatever it may be. I I prayed that dangerous prayer before I had a dream about becoming a pastor at a church in transition. It was the dream that got us across the country. It was the hardest decision I ever made, but I'm so thankful. I'd be miserable if I didn't say yes. Lord, I say yes. Here am I, send me. And I declare, people of God, rise up. I pray for courage and grace and faith. And John was praying in the prayer room and there was just this wind on what he was saying about disappointment and, and like thinking in our minds, like this unbelief that creeps in, like, well, it's just gonna fail or it's just gonna fall again. It's just, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And he was breaking that limitation and that lie saying, no, let's, let's lay down our disappointment. Let's lay down our unbelief. I pray right now that God would fill your heart, mind and soul with the faith of Jesus, that we can anticipate with holy anticipation the greater things that are ahead. We're moving up and we're moving forward. Lord, you're teaching us to prosper. I'm not going to shrink back. Come on. I'm not going to step back. I'm stepping forward into the destiny that we share as a community. And let us go from community to army. Come on. Let us go from, not. we're not just a hospital. We're not just a family. We are an army of the living God. Let us go from community to movement because we want to shake the earth. We want to shake Rochester with the glory of God and we say yes and I thank you for the saints in this room that have persevered I thank you for the saints that have sowed and and prayed and those you've brought back and those that you've called and I declare a new day over you and may we be a people of God united from one generation to the next We say yes. You're breathing upon us. We love your people, Lord. I love your people so much, God. Teach us the spirit of honor. Teach us what it means to love. Teach us to yield. You are breathing. We recognize. We lay down disappointment. We lay down unbelief. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for resurrection life. Like Lazarus, we either run from pain or we run to what makes us fully alive. And I'm not going to run from pain. I'm going to run to what makes me fully alive. Harabasoye. Huh.
I'm not running from disappointment. I'm running to what makes me fully alive. Thank you for resurrection. I thank you for the cross too. We need the cross. We die to our own reputation. Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't seize it. He owned the divine nature. It was who he was. And so, Lord, we partake of your divine nature. We're your sons and daughters. May we walk in that significance as a body so we can all be foot washers and lovers and display the humility of divine love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.